What's up, everybody? Thanks again for joining me for another edition of March 4th with Mike Bauman. I, of course, am your host, Mike Bauman. Whoever you are, wherever you're listening from, thank you so much for checking out the podcast. If you're a returning listener, I greatly appreciate your continued love and support. And if you're a brand new listener of the show, man, thank you so much for hopping aboard that pirate ship. You can follow me on Instagram at March 4th Pod, on YouTube at March 4th Pod. My website is march4th.podbean.com. The link tree with all of my stuff is in the podcast description for this episode. Y'all made it here, so you found me somehow. And I truly appreciate each and every one of you taking the time to check out another edition of the March 4th with Mike Bauman podcast. Um, I'm going to be real with you guys, man. It's been, uh, and I'm not saying this looking for sympathy, but it's been, um, it's been a productive year, but, uh, the, the, the most recent couple of months have been, been emotionally challenging just with like family stuff going on. Um, as of recording this today, I think that my grandmother, my mom's mom, uh, my, my, my grandma Bauman passed away, almost two years ago now, but I think, uh, I think my grandma Bauman or my grandma Ratty rather is, uh, my mom's mom isn't long for this world as of recording the intro and close to this week's episode. Uh, she's had a great run, 94 years old. She'll be 95 if she makes it to October 24th, which, which right now I don't think that's, that's realistic. Um, you know, and like I said, death is part of life. Um, as of this morning, my stepmom's father passed away. So uh, there's just been some emotional stuff as far as that goes with like family and, and more so me kind of worrying about family and them dealing with all of the, the things that surround that when people get older and they go into decline. You know, it's tough. It's tough. It's not like the movies, at least in my life and the death that, uh, that I've been privy to in, in sort of my circle, my periphery these past couple of years. I've, there's been, and I've said it probably ad nauseum for people who listen to the podcast all the time. But uh, there's there's been more people around me who have passed in the past couple of years than at any other point in my life. And so it's death is part of life, right? But it's also it's not like the movies. It's not like TV. You know, you, you hope that people die peacefully in their sleep. And but that thing of like they shut their eyes and it's just like this beautiful moment. I mean, from what I've seen, unfortunately, man, and I'm not trying to be doom and gloom, but it's it's not it hasn't been pretty for for people that I uh that I love, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't pretty for, for my grandfather, who I was really close to my, my mom's dad, uh, my dad's dad passed away when he was, uh, 18 years old, not long after he got out of high school. So I never met my grandpa Bauman, but, uh, so yeah, man, um, I'm, I'm not in a bad mood. I'm not even really necessarily in like a, a quote unquote, super somber mood. Uh, my grandma, uh, and I got a chance to talk recently. I called her at the facility that she was in and she, at least at that time was still, you know, there enough mentally that we, we had a good conversation, but physically she's deteriorating really bad. She's had a lot of pain. Um, and it's just tough, man. You know, I, I won't go into all the deets, but it's just been kind of an emotional thing and, you know, worrying about my, you know, my mom and, uh, dealing with a lot of stuff. And so, so yeah, man, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not in a bad mood or necessarily a super somber mood when it comes to this, but I guess I'm just kind of even more introspective and reflective than I normally am with my sensitive Pisces self. 
But uh, yeah, I say all that to say, um, you know, just just spend as much time as you can, you guys, with the people you love and um, appreciate those moments, especially the older people in your life, right? There's a lot of wisdom that you can learn from grandparents, um, especially I've found in my life where just based on their life experience, the amount of time that they have on this planet, there's so much, so much they can impart onto you about how to carry yourself or how to deal with the trials and tribulations of life. And, uh, you know, if this is indeed my, my grandma's last day on, on planet earth, I just, from a soul vibe, I just, I, I hope she knows how much I love her and how much I appreciated everything that her and my, my grandfather did for us growing up. You know, they, when my grandpa retired, they initially moved down to Florida here in the States. And, uh, for those of you international listeners, thank you. Welcome. But uh, in the States, there's a lot of uh, elderly people who, who retire in the state of Florida because there's beaches and the weather's warmer. So especially for Midwesterners like me and my, my relatives that preceded me in life, um, a lot of them end up going to Florida because it's nice weather, the beaches, the sea breeze, all that stuff, especially when you come from snow and cold and gray, you know. Uh, you know, I, I, the last winter I was home in Toledo, Ohio, my hometown, we had snow in April, you know what I mean? And, and for perspective down here in Tennessee, where I live now, that would be like, that would blow people's minds if it snowed in April. Usually by April, we're already into like the seventies and sometimes the eighties here. I digress. So, but anyway, my, my grandma and my, my grandpa, my mom's parents, they moved down to Florida after he retired from Sherwin Williams. But then once, you know, their kids, uh, my mom and my aunt and my uncle, once once they all started having kids, it wasn't enough for them to just, just to come home in the summers and see everybody because they had a condo uh, off of Lake Erie in Ohio, and uh, I have vague memories of that in Port Clinton. Um, it's weird how you have certain memories that stick out, like I that are very vivid, you know, and I have a very vivid memory of um, being in the kitchen at their condo in Port Clinton with my brother and my grandma making eggs for breakfast and my grandpa like waking up and having, you know, having his decaf and stuff. It's, I can almost still smell I know it's, it might sound crazy, but I can almost kind of like still smell that morning. And I was probably like, gosh, a little guy. I was probably like three, you know, maybe even two. And people might think I'm full of crap, but I still, I still remember that. Um, I still remember looking at the like little pond behind their condo where they lived in Florida before they moved back here full-time in the early 90s, uh, before I should, well, not there now in Tennessee when I say here. I guess I'm just in the perspective of being home right now because uh, I, I know I will be soon uh, when, when that time eventually comes. But they came back to Ohio to, uh, to, to be there uh, and watch their grandkids grow up. There's 10 of us, you know, so um, they, you know, and, and no grandkid was more important than the other. It didn't matter if we played sports, if we didn't. You know, my grandma and grandpa are big, like, football fans. And, you know, my my uh, my grandpa's brother was a really good football player. So he, he was a big football guy. My grandpa loved football. And he loved sports in general, loved basketball. And uh, so they went to all of our games growing up, you know, in the CYO, the Catholic Youth Organization. And But even when we had plays, or I remember I had a spelling bee, when I was 12 and I got nervous and I spelled calculated wrong, they were there for that. Um, so I'm really grateful 
And I hope that my grandma can just, uh, as cheesy as this may sound, I hope she can feel my energy, that I love her. Um, you know, and uh, I, I hope she has a peaceful transition, you know. And uh, yeah, so if you if you have grandparents in your life, if you have elderly people that uh, were there for you growing up, try your best to be there for them at the end. And if you're not in the same state, like in my case, I haven't been in the last eight years. Uh, and, and by the time I moved to Tennessee, my grandpa had been, had been dead for four years at that point. So it's been, it's been tough, um, on my grandma and my mom and my aunt, my uncle, there's, there's a lot of stuff there. I'm not going to get into, uh, on this in a public setting with my show, other than to say that, uh, stick together as a family, look out for each other, love each other, communicate, uh, and, um, and be there for the elderly people in your life, man, especially if they were there for you when you, when you, when you were young and, um, you know, um, yeah, you know, it's part of getting older. I'm 35 now. People die, man. Uh, it sounds morbid to say, but it's, it's sad, but true. And, uh, yeah. So be good to each other, be kind to each other, support each other. And speaking of being kind to each other and supporting each other, man, this week's guest, I'm so excited to get on the podcast he is a guy who actually is a, is a listener of the program, and I believe he discovered me when I had Stoneside on last year. Shout out to Crane and all the dudes in Stoneside. They're making great music if you love heavy music um, and great storytelling. They're, they're awesome at that. I digress. But um, I think he checked out that episode and then, and then listened to me you know, continue to listen to the show and go back in the archives after that, and, and he's, he sent me a lot of kind words, um, over the past year, you know, on Instagram and the DMS and stuff. And, uh, that always warms my heart when people take the time, when they enjoy what you're doing to, uh, to reach out to you and let you know. And he's a musician in his own right and is very talented and has put out some cool stuff. And, uh, when it came time for some new releases, um, he reached out to me and I wanted to make time to get him on the show, not only because he had kind words for me, but because, um, as somebody who's also building an audience and, and doing things independently, I'm, I'm never going to be somebody who, who shuns away anybody from the show. Um, and I'm always hard on myself about getting back to people in a timely manner. Cause I, I haven't been the greatest about getting back to emails and stuff in a timely manner, but I had some openings and I was so happy to get him on. He is none other than Ben Fassett and the music that he puts out is under the name Tor, T-O-R-R, on Instagram. You can find him at Tor Band, T-O-R-R Band, all together. No hyphens or any of that. But in April, he released uh, his EP called Lone Desert Bones. It just came out on April 10th, 2023. And then just a week ago, as of the release of this episode... He released his follow-up EP called Snakeskin Face, which just dropped on August 22nd. I really enjoyed it, man. Um, and, and if you're a fan of, of heavy music, if you're a fan of heavy vocals, if you're a fan of good storytelling, if you're a fan of progressive moments and uh, good you know, instrumental moments, there's, there's a lot of that in what, in what Ben does. And uh, you know, especially if you like kind of like doom metal, uh, if you like kind of like the sludgy, ambient type stuff. It's all in his work. And in this podcast, you learn about his musical journey in terms of how he got into heavier music, uh, the themes in his work. Uh, you learn about the heartfelt places his lyrics come from, the meaning behind what he's putting out. 
And uh, we go to some some tough places as we do on the show as far as anxiety and depression and heartbreak and death. I mean, we talk about all those things. But as you guys know, or if you're first-time listeners, it's all done just of letting people know that we all struggle. We all go through difficult times. And we just had a great conversation, man. You know, we're pretty close to the same age. We love a lot of the same music. And uh, we took the positive vibes from social media and brought them on an episode to you with the, the release of Snakeskin Face. So without further ado... I'm going to shut my big yapper and give you guys my conversation with Ben Facet of Tor. Here it is. All righty. Well, there we go. Well, Ben, thanks again so much, dude, for for taking the time to do this. Uh, I'm really excited uh, given the, the forthcoming EP that's coming out, Snakeskin Face, right, is, is what it's going to be called, and yes, getting a chance. It's, uh, Lone Desert Bones, which came out, uh, you know, was that April, I believe, that one came out, and then beaten before that, you had some singles going back to 2022, man, so I'm excited to get into it with you and, you know, put the people on to your music, man, so thanks for taking the time. Absolutely, man, I appreciate the hell out of it. I'm psyched, and I'm dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess just for for a little bit of background for people listening, um, uh, you know, you've you've been kind enough, like over over like the past year or so, um, you, you've you've sent me some some kind messages about the show, and it's I'm I'm never somebody who fishes for compliments, and like we were talking even before we officially hit record, like I I kind of am, am self deprecating to a fault, and it kind of sounds like we share that a little bit, but um, I had Stoneside on, shout out to to crane and everything they're doing and um i think you guys know each other right was so is that how you found the show was was that up yeah crane has been super kind and super patient with my uh with my fanboyism and i always make it a point to reach out to people who i think are doing good work whether it be in a journalistic sense musically anything that i find inspirational even if they never see it i always want to make it a point to reach out and in case they need it to be like hey what you're doing right there is super cool. It's just kind of like a sticking point for me. And uh, yeah, once I heard the the podcast with Crane, that that absolutely launched me down the rabbit hole. And also, just as a as an ex journalism student, seeing well curated interviews is always kind of a uh, it tickles a really uh, comforting spot for me. Well, thank you, dude. Like I said, that that means a lot because that's that's what I went to school for. And I kind of put this stuff down for a while, as you know, listening to the show. And so it's been fun over the last couple of years to get back into it and and connect with a lot of really cool people like yourself. So whenever anybody takes the time to check out the show, it it, it always does mean a lot. Um, but for you musically, man, just digging into your your background uh, for, for people who aren't aware, um, I was reading shout out to Jesse from the antelope valley press you were you were featured just about a year ago by the time this episode comes out it'll be like late august early september when this hits everybody's ears as they're listening but uh you were featured in august of that and was kind of talking about your musical journey and how you came from a family of musicians is is that correct like you you kind of grew up around music or people in Uh, the in the family 
not quite musicians. My dad always had, you know, every household has the uh, old acoustic in the corner, and he would always be finger picking, playing Bob Dylan songs, singing terribly, but kind of like comfortingly. Uh, but there was always a lot of uh, musical appreciation. Uh, my mom is the one who was always playing oldies, and she got me into, you know, James Brown, Creedence Clearwater Revival, The Doors and my dad was pardon me kind of a connoisseur of like a lot of classic rock like the police zz top uh carlos santana and he also introduced me to a lot of jazz through thelonious monk and charles mingus and uh a lot of blues with uh taj mahal and buddy guy and sun house so there was always a lot of music happening in the background um so yeah, there there was always something playing, uh, and it was either the local Lionel Valley Oldie Station, I K Earth One Hundred One actually, or um, like classic rock happening or something. So yeah, so you're in California. Uh, you're you're based out there for people who aren't aware, but uh, no, we're not going to give me your exact address because there's weirdos. <laughs> I live that... at. <laughs> Is that where you grew up? Yeah, yeah. I'm a Deseret kind of born and raised in the Yellow Valley. Um, and much like every young kid in like a small or sparse area always wanted to escape, got the opportunity to do so, lived in like some really dense cities, hated every moment of it, came back as soon as I could, basically. Yeah, because we're about the same age, right? Are you like 36, 37? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 37. So right around the same yeah, I'm 35 now. So yeah, just checking out the story. So, so for people who aren't aware, where where is the Antelope Valley in California? Yeah, so uh, the Lancaster, Palmdale, Little Rock area, uh, we call them the cities that meth built. Um, they're kind of like an hour north of Los Angeles and pretty much smack dab in the Mojave Desert and oh. just kind of nothing but miles and miles. Yeah, my my one of my best friends, shout out Nate, uh, who who was a U.S. Marine and uh, served when we were fighting uh, overseas in, in Iraq, which is crazy to think about. A nineteen-year-old with the machine gun, just the, the yeah. sacrifice uh, our armed forces make for us. I, I digress, but he he worked for a company for a while. We both moved out of our hometown of Toledo in 2015. He left in like April or May, and then I left in October. And he he for a little bit lived out in uh, Apple Valley, um, and I've never been there, but I I know he wasn't a big a big fan of kind of, <laughs> you know he he and I are similar that I I think we we don't like like large groups of people, but um, yeah I, I don't think uh, and he worked a lot overseas in that job, but um, he wasn't a real big fan of of living out there. So if there's anybody from Apple Valley that listens to this, I I'm not hating on your city. I don't know anything about it, but just. Relating to Ben here, yeah, my yeah. my best friends that was out there didn't didn't enjoy it too too much. But also for anyone in Apple Valley who's like gr grimacing at that, you know what you did. I've never been there either, so I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so so you mentioned the musical influences from your parents. So I always like to ask people, and again, as somebody listening who listens to the show, I know you know I I kind of go to these mm. places. When when did heavy music bite you? Then was there was it a song, a record, a friend? 
Yeah, so uh, we kind of share that source a little bit as well in, in that I had an older brother uh, who was, you know, listening to a lot of 80s thrash at the time, you know, the Metallica, Megadeth, Suicidal Tendencies of the time. And those ones, uh, and I know it's a little bit of a sacrilege, but there was something there, but it didn't really like hit the nerve as much. And then, uh, you know, Pantera... Um, old sepultura back when they were just a weird death metal band uh death uh those were the things that kind of perked the ear up a little bit and then again because we we have a similar um basis uh, i kind of came up uh, my consciousness kind of clicked on during the mtv headbangers ball of it all so there was a lot of, you know, Seven Dust, Chevelle, Mudvayne, uh, Deftones, Incubus, all those things kind of hit at the same time, uh, right at the moment when I started getting genuinely hungry. And then that kind of, that that led to the explosion into all the different subgenres. Um, that having been said, the I think the two most important for me is uh josh homme with his working kaius queens of stone age them crooked vultures and uh ben sharp who fronted cloud kicker especially him because his career was so very unusual you would never see him he only toured once with intronaut um you never knew when he was releasing something you just have to look and it's just oh subsume dropped okay and he always did a name your own price back in the band camp days of yore and uh besides like just the randomity of it all uh very quickly became my favorite composer to this day of all time that's cool man i'll have to i'll have to check out i don't think i'm i'm familiar you know but i'll have to i'll have to check out that work but like headbangers ball the initial it's funny you say that because the initial Headbangers Ball was like early '90s Ricky Rackman, right? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then they 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 uh, they brought it back. And then wasn't it Jamie Josta from Hatebreed who was hosting it? I think maybe when they brought it back later on. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I I kind of have vague memories of the early '90s because I was born in '88, so I remember like MTV at that time. Like we had to be careful because, you know, being a little guy, like I was five in 1993, but, you know, like my exposure to early MTV was like probably like a lot of people out there was Pauly Shore. So um, I remember like, like in the army now, like my brother and I still talk about that movie to this day, but those shows, like, I think it was foundational for a lot of people because you had like totally Pauly, but then you had MTV spring break and artists would play on that. And that I remember in the, in the late nineties. So like at the height of, of new metal, I remember, I think it was uh Limp Biscuit did one of them one year. I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, but like early nineties, you had like, yo, MTV raps, you had headbangers ball. Uh, there's still clips on YouTube. There was one where like Ricky Rackman went to a water park with Alice and chains. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that was uh it was foundational for for a lot of people, but all those bands that you mentioned, shout out Seven Dust, their their new record Truth Killer came out, and pun intended, mm. it's love it. But uh, mm. one of my awesome bands, but uh, but yeah, we've got similar um, similar taste there with like Mudvayne, Seven Dust, 
um, all of those bands really started to kind of come on because MTV, if you remember too, in the late nineties, they would have like blocks of music. So there'd be like the hip hop music video block. Then there'd be the rock and metal music video block and the infiltration when corn, you know, became the, like, you know, the biggest band on the planet arguably, and is still as big as they've ever been really, which is awesome. Um, when they started to infiltrate TRL, that's when I really started to kind of even go more even heavy. Yeah, and it was almost, uh, particularly at that point, it became a lot more democratic in the way that it actually shared its time, both with the music and also like it was kind of a precursor to what Cartoon Network would eventually do with Adult Swim with the animated stuff and animated stuff that I pronounced that weird, but uh, like it was very, it was a weird chaos that was very structured and kind of lent to kind of creative format that I don't think you see too often anymore, especially because broadcast TV, not quite the way it was back in the day. Yeah. Cause back then the only really like reality TV that you had, at least on MTV was like road rules and the real world. And then they started to do the spinoffs. Um, and then by the time you got to, I think like mid late, like the early, like the late, like 2010, I think people call it like the aughts now, but, uh, but that's when they started to get into, I think like teen mom and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, and again, like, like you said, I, I, reality TV is like deeper to produce than like sitcoms and stuff like that. And then it became wildly popular with shows like survivor and all that stuff. But yeah, I, I really miss the, uh, music video days although it does seem like they're they're coming back now like bands are starting to do cool conceptual music videos i've had a few artists on the podcast that have done some really cool stuff um and it's and it's cool to see that coming back because there was a there was a minute there like probably about a decade ago into like the mid 10s 2010s where the thing was doing the lyric video when a single would come out and it'd be like a graph lyric video that was like sort of the thing and those i feel like have started at least from what i've seen from bands have started to kind of go away and now it's kind of back to music videos again which is cool and you can kind of see where the budget line uh resides in a lot of projects when you see like the visualizer and you go okay you're you're not quite the budget isn't quite there for a full production for a video good on you at least you're putting some colorful on you know and (laughs) hence why you haven't seen anything among uh, among those lines with me (laughs) well i think i think what's cool though is um and and you as a musician can can give me your feedback on this too and i and i've talked about this with other people but there's so much more out there now but also i think that the barrier to entry isn't kind of what it used to be you know in mm. terms of raising money to go into a studio now if if you take the time to learn it you know there's a lot of cool plugins and and daws and stuff that you can use and kind of record right in your in your room and it sounds awesome and i'm sure there's probably people from the analog days where it's like brother nothing sounds like recording the tape <laughs> which i'm sure there maybe there's some truth to that too um but uh because i think even over the years like dave Grohl and stuff they've recorded it, i think a couple albums they've done it kind of the old school way with the tape yeah. and stuff kind of that organic feel and you're, you're not so worried about playing it perfect and the imperfections are still in there i digress but um but for you as somebody who's been you know sitting on a catalog of songs uh, which we'll get into just from reading reading that article um in the antelope valley press like do you feel like 
as an independent creator, that's something that you like is that, hey, you know, with with the budget that I have, I can I can make some stuff that still sounds pretty awesome. Oh, the studio is magic to me. The, the the fact that I actually have a room dedicated to this just just tickles me to the ends of the earth. And I mean, yeah, it, it's not the most ideal setup. It's very DIY, but I've got instruments that inspire me because I've been able to build up over time. Um, I've learned enough production to make it not terrible, you know, um, out of necessity, uh, cause of the whole tremor thing. I don't want to book time and then waste it, you know, potentially or waste like a producer's time or anything like that. So everything that I have gathered here has been built both out of necessity and just the fact that I can wake up in the morning and go into the next room and just sit down and go. Um, as far as the quality, I mean, it's always subjective, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it, it sounds great. Uh, like in, in terms of professionally produced and bands that I, I listen to, you know, who are on labels or whatever, like I, I, I think that's what's cool again about today is you can do some really cool stuff on your own. Um, and speaking of which, you mentioned the Tremors thing. For for people who aren't aware, like that was around what, like 12, 13 years old. You noticed that it was kind of like a family type of thing. Like can Yeah, you, can you... it uh it runs the family. Uh my uncle's got it, my dad had it, uh like uh, several people, uh and the Cliff Notes version, it's called an essential tremor, and it's nothing terribly combative, but it just kind of means hands don't work good every now and again. And uh, it's a little preventative every now and again when I'm, you know, playing guitar or anything. But um, it's just, uh, it mostly means that because I'm such a stickler for not wanting to waste anyone's time, uh, everything about me doing all of this myself is out of necessity and also respect for other people's time. Um, so, you know, I started learning how to mix because I didn't want to book studio time. I started doing vocals because I didn't want to waste a vocalist's time. Um, this was all going to be an instrumental project at first. And, you know, I, I realized the big gaps and said, okay, no, I got to do vocals. Guess it's up to me. Um, so it's, it's, <sighs> it's a barrier without being a barrier to a certain extent. Uh, especially touching on the the theme of perseverance of endurance um like and in fact the entire reason why i picked up guitar in earnest was because i was told you can't play guitar your hands are too shaky and it's like oh fuck you i'm gonna do it then <laughs> so and immediately leapt to seven and eight strings because the thickness of the strings helped with my hands uh significantly comparatively to like your standard six string so just learning to adapt uh in accordance yeah so so 12 13 was when you discovered this or when it started to become an issue and then so was it not until like mid 20s that you picked up the guitar the first time yeah i was yeah. real late to the party as it were because again like i again that that old dusty acoustic was always there i was kind of i i formed my you know knowledge of basic chords just kind of dicked around with it for a little bit but never took it serious and uh yeah then the gauntlet was thrown at i want to say 23 24 
and immediately like no with a fervor you don't understand i'm gonna prove you wrong (laughs) so what what was it then about um that point in time was it just something that clicked where you're like screw it i'm gonna do it or or was it you went to see a doctor again and it resurfaced again and they and and it was like somebody told you you can't do it that made you do it like what was it about i guess the gap between like 12 13 and then like early mid 20s when you picked it up again oh um so i think i only i only went to the doctor a couple times for it just like once where it's like you're a little you're a little shaky what's going on there bro and then once more to kind of confirm um but it had always a desire to do so had always been there it was just a friend in jest said no you can't do that and that was no hell no (laughs) it's really quite that simple in the end are you guys still friends now yeah yeah yeah, absolutely six foot two beast of a man from florida (laughs) has he given you any feedback on your new stuff or is he like well i was wrong um I mean, he's a pretty good guitarist in his own right. Um, so, and blows me out of the water with my ones and zeros. But um, he, yeah, he he uh, he's given me some uh, positive feedback on the compositions as a whole. That's good. That's good. It's always good when people kind of come around. And yeah, I had a, uh, I had a friend, uh, an old friend. I remember when I started going to high school. You know, I, I love basketball too. And he was like, dude, I don't think, I don't think you're good enough to make it there. And then I ended up, How making, dare you? <laughs> ended up making one of the freshman teams. It was essentially the, the B team, but I was like, I still made it. I still made it through cuts. It's not like football where they let everybody play because they don't want the first teamers to beat the hell out of each other in practice. You know, they got the scout team for that, like basketball, you had to like make it. So I was like, Hey, but, <laughs> um, but anyway, um, yeah. So getting into the releases by the time you started to release singles and was it and, and maybe this is just spotify so if you released them earlier please correct me but i the first one that i saw was a hole which came out in february of 22 is that correct yeah that was the very first one um and that was the that that was the initial plunge because at that point i had rough mixes ready to go something like 30 40 tracks uh just kind of in the vault and that one is actually amongst them that was one of the first things i ever wrote that that initial riff that we come into was one of the first things i ever actually put down as a scratch track and uh finally had the confidence and in both my execution and the ability to mix to go okay all right you know what if five people hear it cool done yeah because you put you ended up putting out three in 2022 right a whole predator which i and then arrows um was was predator about your your cat yeah it's about my cat smaug uh i a lot of metal takes itself so seriously so i try uh, every now and again i try to do a joke song but do it as earnestly as possible so yeah, yeah it, it is absolutely just how Smaug thinks he is the god of the house. Cats are dope, man. Yeah, my cat, my cat Charlie, I had from thirteen to twenty-seven, and he he was uh, when he went down, it was it was tough because I thought he was going to live to be like twenty-five. He had so much energy, and unfortunately, him and my stepdad's cat ended up getting uh, tumors like within a year of each other. 
and kind of took them kind of took them both out and Bronson lived to be like 17 something like that and Charlie was almost 14 so they still had pretty good runs but but yeah Charlie had a had a personality man like when I would write stories back when I was doing music features he would lay on this same dining room table I have now he would lay on my computer or lay behind my computer as I was writing or he'd chill out on a chair like People, cats get a bad rap. I love dogs too. I, I truly do love them equally. I had a dog growing up for a little bit too, Ginger. But uh, but I feel like cats get a bad rap, man. People are always like, oh, they don't care. They're not a fat. Like, it's not true, man. They're all like, just like people are just like dogs, like any animal. They all have unique personalities. And he was like, he had a lot of like personality and was like smart and kind of nuts. You know what I mean? But he he would he would wait for me when I'd come home from work by the door he would hang with me when I was writing stories. So this idea that cats like don't care at all is not true, but the idea that they think they run stuff is absolutely true. They don't see themselves as subservient to humans at all. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. And especially because my, I got a small little idiot, basically full of character, but one of the dumbest cats I've ever met in my entire life. And at the same time, uh, as I'm walking from living room to kitchen, he will attack my legs like from from the depths of the some dark corner will just go ah! and just run off and then look back like, yeah, I could do that at any moment. <laughs> Does he still have his front claws too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, fully well, clawed and he's a little rescue from the uh, middle of the desert. <laughs> Well, good, man. I'm glad you gave him a, a good home. Um, and then the the last single that you came out with in 2022 uh, in June, so just about a year ago, was was Arrows. And I read that one was about kind of like drug abuse and, and some survival's guilt as far as like, you know, you made it through that, but there are other people around you from growing up who who didn't. Kind of pretty, pretty powerful song, man. Thank you. Yeah, that was uh, that was kind of an exorcism of things that have been going on for a hot minute there as far as like recollecting, recollecting and uh, kind of resolving that in my head, you know, being a being a young Deseret with nothing else to do. There's not a whole lot else but do dangerous substances and make terrible decisions. And so many people fell out and a lot of it was me wondering why I came out as well as I did and by what right. And it doesn't even, and Arrows was important because I didn't want to answer that question. I wanted to stew in that for a little bit, like recognize that sentiment and experience it as I'm tracking. And there's no, there's no answer there, but it was definitely kind of a, kind of a salute to those who uh, didn't even do as bad a thing as me, but somehow came to a more bitter end because of it. Have you been able to, um, for the most part, make your peace with it now, looking, looking back, Ben? Like in terms of where you are today versus kind of the survivor's guilt stuff? Sure. I mean, to a certain extent, I've I've always kind of held to the universe is random and doesn't care about me, which is kind of comforting in its own way. Um, so putting that upon myself isn't helpful or healthy to a certain extent. Um, and yeah, you can't hold yourself accountable for the randomity of it all. 
um i very easily could not have and that would have been probably just as okay as it is now in the grand scheme of things uh rather than personally but yeah less of a resolution and more of just the uh acceptance yeah yeah it's and sometimes it's hard man like i i ruminate a lot and it's really hard to turn off my brain um and it's hard to forgive myself for like past dumb decisions and mistakes that I've made and stuff. Um, I, I don't know that I agree with the quote that time heals all wounds. Cause if you don't work internally to change, then time just passes. It doesn't really, you can be stuck, you know? Um, so I've had to really kind of address that and therapy's definitely been a big help with kind of moving on from things. Um, and some of it maybe too is, is me being a perfectionist where I like to figure things out. So if somebody hurts me and I don't understand it, I'll perseverate on it. Or like, if I do something dumb, I'll be like, Oh, why did I do that? But like, but I do think time does help the further you removed from something, you can kind of look back retrospectively and almost like, well, that was a different person. And I think there's even that thing out there, I'm sure somebody who's more medically inclined than me uh, will will correct me, but I think they say something too, like your cells, even every six, seven years are, are, are different. So, I mean, that's kind of how I look at stuff now and how I try to process grief or, you know, past mistakes or pain is just kind of go, well, you know, if you could have done better at the time, you would have, if the people who hurt you could have done better at the time, they would have, that's who they were then maybe they're still the same now it doesn't matter if they're not part of your, your life anymore but for the mistakes that you that you make i i at least for me that's kind of how i've made peace with it it's like well i'm not the same guy that i was when i was 30 i'm not the same guy that i was when i was 25 now that i'm 35 i'm not who i was when i was 15 um you know that dude is still me biologically dna wise but i'm not the same person and i think that's kind of helped me with my anxiety is to, to look at things like try to look at thoughts as passing clouds, you know, and that's not mine, by the way, for anybody listening. Um, like I'm reading a book my sister gave me from Eckhart Tolle called the, the power of now, which has been around for a long time okay. and kind of talks about that in there. Like try to separate yourself from your thoughts and it's helpful, you know? Absolutely. And also just, uh, taking yourself outside of the experience and uh, putting yourself into the perspective of someone else also experiencing that can kind of help frame your reference as well, or say the ability to come back on a situation with the understanding that you have now and the understanding that you would react or counteract in a different way uh, can immediately show self-progress which sometimes is really easy to get lost in the void um until you're sometimes i i straight up bullet point things that happened and look at them from the perception that i've gathered now and be able to think back on how i dealt with them there compare and contrast and it's Sometimes it's night and day. Sometimes it's, oh, maybe I should keep working on that a little bit. Uh, turns out there's some anger issues here still or residual. But, you know, it's um, that that old adage of hindsight is twenty twenty is not only just a, a 
there because it's hokey and true, but also potentially useful. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And, 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 and for me too, like you get to a certain point, man, when it comes to whether it's stuff about yourself, you don't like, or stuff that other people have done or said to you that you don't like, where you're like, you know, I can't change what other people have done to me, but I can only, there's only so much ruminating that you can do or so much self-reflection or looking at the past or worrying about the future. Like it eventually does like that emotional weight. Like, at least for me, it affects me physically. It affects, affects me mentally. And you, you get to a point where you're so exhausted. You're like, I just can't do this anymore. And what you said a few minutes ago about acceptance, I think that's so important, you know, um, not to sound self-righteous for people listening, but it's true. Certain things like, some stuff just is, and some people just are, and that is what it is, and you're not them, so you'll never be able to understand it, so you got to accept it. But even with yourself, it's like, you know, um, I'm learning not to, like, look at myself as, like, this broken or dude or that or this wimpy guy because I have anxiety. It's like everybody goes through stuff. I happen to be a little bit more open about it than, than some people, and I, I, I think – I deal with it in ways that are that are healthier than some choices I could make in terms of you know drinking or or, or drugs. Which thankfully I've I've had my bouts with alcohol, but never to the point where I needed needed it to function. But I, I've I've had my bouts in the past where I've used it to cope, and quickly realized that oh, alcohol is a depressant. This is not a good coping mechanism. Um, but yeah, suffice to say that I think acceptance is important. And that when you can try to really separate yourself from your thoughts, good and bad, you know, understand that, hey, you know, life is always going to be a balance. There's there's going to be good times, but there's also going to be lulls. And if you can just try to remain calm through it all, it takes a lot of practice. Um, and like you said, we're all ever evolving. So there's going to be stuff that you're always going to need to work on, but you got to kind of be forgiving of yourself and not beat yourself up because because then it's almost like a compounding effect you're like oh i have anxiety now i'm mad that i'm having anxiety or i'm i'm mad that i'm having a panic attack everything is fine everybody's happy why am i the one at the barbecue who like wants to go run right now and get get the hell out of here like you got to give yourself some some grace too through it all you know absolutely and also with the uh adding to time heals all things but I also find a correspondence with age heals all things. Like, I don't know about you, but when I hit 30, there came this moment of a sudden release of everything. Like pre 30, I remember describing myself as feeling like a loose bag of flesh full of blood and bones, just kind of rattling around there all gross and nebulous. And there came a certain point where, again, going back to acceptance, like, I may be that, meh, what are you going to do? You know, carry on. It's going to be fine. And that and uh, coupled with, you know, going into like phone jobs on a daily basis, forcing myself to talk to people and forcing myself to maintain some kind of gift of gab, as it were uh being able to come out of that and go uh you know everything's fine yeah <laughs> yeah and the, and the older you get too i think the less you uh the less you you care what people think the way that you did when you're younger because i've realized like the older i get like even people 
who are quote unquote successful. And I'm using air quotes for people who are listening, but like in America, we kind of define that as wealth, you know, and the accumulation of it, just feeding yourself more of everything. And like, I know people who have that stuff and I've come across people who have that stuff and uh, who would be considered wealthy or rich. And they have the same problems as everybody else, man. Like the older you get, the more you realize nobody has it all figured out. Um, and and that's part of being human. And I I think so much of societal pressure that we feel, a lot of it can come from our own expectations from ourselves or from our own immediate households and our parents and things like that, or how you were raised or the environment you came from. But a lot of it too is just what what you're kind of told and sold growing up of what success means. And so then I think when people get to that age where they're like, oh, I don't own a home and I don't have a two-car garage and a picket fence and a golden retriever named Bert and a wife and two little rugrats running around, some somehow I failed. But then you meet people who have the golden retriever and the picket fence and the two-car garage and the mortgage and their marriage sucks. You know what I mean? And so you're like, ooh, like I'm glad I'm not that. You know what I mean? Um because as as a kid who's lived through two divorces, man, like, and I'm not saying it to like feel sorry for myself, like I've seen beyond the own heart, my own heartbreak that I've experienced in my relationships, like I know what that what that failure looks like too, and what that pain looks like. So suffice to say, I think if you just try to go through life and pursue the things that make you happy and be good to people, like I wish more people knew that that's good enough. Like we all got to eat. We have this hierarchical hierarchical structure. Uh, of of money and we all need money to survive but if you make that the the most important thing i think it'll never be enough you're just kind of chasing the dragon it's like it's like people who have more seem to always want more you know so it's like just do what you love pay your bills be good to people and let the rest be the rest it's it's easier said than done i mean i i still have my anxious struggles every day but i mean i think older I get, the more I realize it's like, don't compare yourself to other people. Your journey is exactly that. It's yours. And the people who you think are killing it, you know, maybe really aren't because you never know what really goes on behind closed doors in somebody's home, you know? Absolutely. And trying to define what that, what that sense of satisfaction looks like in the end is a almost impossible, but B should be modeled for yourself. Like my ideal end result is to be a curmudgeon hermit in the middle of nowhere with like cats and a shotgun on my lap, drinking an old fashioned, you know, with hopefully my partner and, you know, just quiet. And that's, that's sufficient for me. Uh, and I also know that there are a lot of people out there who that sounds utterly abysmal. So, you know, there's no one way to go about that kind of thing. But uh, as long as there is a proper amount of introspection and um, a realization of what it is that you actually do want to attain, you know, you're you're already halfway there at that point. Yeah, and for you, and, and thanks again, Ben, so much for doing this, man. For your journey, you mentioned, like, a lot of this has been out of, like, necessity as far as recording on your own. Um you know, and, and dealing with, with tremors and going, okay, I, I know when I, when I'm feeling good and I can, I can record versus, uh, you know, paying to record at a studio and then maybe having dealing with issues while I'm trying to play or whatever. But in addition to that, you mentioned like, it was supposed to be instrumental 
but then then you sing and for people who haven't checked out your work it's very uh doom metal <laughs> progressive but also there's some like like deathcore and metalcore type vocals where you're really you're really screaming man like when did you discover you could do that because i think a lot of people don't understand how difficult it is to do that and not just like completely ruin your your vocal cords yeah so it was about a seven month process uh from the moment that i decided that i needed to do vocals to then going okay how how i do that um I immediately went to the YouTubes and found Cardavox Academy, Chris Lipe, um, I'm going to butcher his name, but Andy Sizek, I want to say, um, and just pulling as much tutorial as I possibly can. And then at the time I was working with commute and also time in the actual office, I was working about a 12 hour day. And so figuring out where to put the time to practice translated as in the car, in the parking lot of the Metrolink, in the parking lot at my job, in the elevator of my job, which always re uh, had some interesting reactions when the elevator door would open and I'm going like, and there are three people with their head just kind of tilted, like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm, I'm fine. Come in. Um, and just constantly checking technique, uh, constantly going through variations of warm-up that made the most sense for what I was doing, um, and consistency. And I, I always hesitate to say this because I never want to make light of this because it affected a lot of people. It's, it was a terrible tragedy. Like lives were forever changed, but the pandemic was kind of the best thing to happen to me as terrible as that sounds because i went from a 12-hour workday to now i'm working remotely to this day um and all of a sudden i have nothing but room and time to practice as much as i desire and that was right about at the last month of it all. And that was when finally everything clicked and switched over. I found my fry. I started developing my false chord. I started using mouth shape to really change up the timber and tonality, start getting into pitch screaming and everything just suddenly went, Oh, there you are. And, um, yeah that from there it was off to the race it's still the point now where i i almost like vocals more than i like doing guitar at this point um so long as they're uh screaming I'm, I'm still super uncomfortable with clean vocals i do it because it's uncomfortable and it's kind of like a fuck you ben do it um but yeah it was just uh given the time and opportunity and stubbornness uh kind of pulled it off <laughs> and before you started doing vocals had you ever done any type of like journaling or poetry um or or was that all kind of a, a fresh kind of thing to start doing lyrics for you 
Yeah, so before I ever thought about doing anything musically, I thought that I was going to be the next great American author. You know, I was going to be the novelist. I was going to be the poet laureate. So yeah, no, there there are many, many notebooks filled with many, many differing qualities of various prose and poetry. So no, I, I've been doing that for a real long time. <laughs> Okay, because you went you you went to school for journalism too, right? Like me, right? Yeah. Well, okay. I spent like two semesters, three semesters at a community college running a, a community college newspaper, but it was the only thing that interested me. So I didn't like go searching for a degree. I did it basically for love of the game. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, the the journalism bug is still there to a certain extent. Well, I gotta imagine it was probably cathartic then, as you as you started finding your voice, um, and writing these lyrics, and 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 we'll get into uh, Lone Desert Bones and uh, Snakeskin Face here in a second. But I mean, touching on some heavy stuff in addition to the music being heavy, like did you did you find that that was difficult, or when when you got it all put together and got it finished, did you feel like it it was like a, a release? Uh so particularly with the first singles and the second and the and lone desert it was utterly effortless it was everything came together exactly as it meant to be i spent no more than a handful of hours writing and revising it it felt real fluid it just, it was num, 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 num. It was one of those moments where everything, I could do no wrong in that moment. Not to toot my own horn, but toot, 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 toot. Um, it was, I, I felt, and especially because previously when I was writing without music, I was always a little too prolix. I was always uh, trying to be a little too formulaic. I was I was looking at structure because I wanted it to be visual as well as, and it was always just too much. It was always just way too much. And forcing myself within a musical structure, I think really found the middle ground for me. Like I don't have to be... E.E. E. Cummings every day. I don't have to, like, I'm not trying to be Cedric Bixler Zavala, you know? <laughs> it's okay to just kind of shoot for meaning rather than, mm, look at all the words I know. So, yeah, absolutely. It was it was a joy. Yeah, I, I it's something as far as uh, journaling, like, um, I, I, I've always thought about doing and I've, I've never been consistent with it, but there's something about uh, when you get stuff out of your head and you, and you put it on paper or, or in your case, I'm sure as a creator writing, writing songs, like you've removed it from just bouncing around between the ears, like a pinball, you know what I mean? And I got to imagine that that feels good in the times when, um, when I have journaled a little bit, it, it, it does feel good to be like, okay, it's, it's out, you know what I mean? So that's it's good to hear that you had a good experience um doing that material um because like lone desert bones there was a sun do as thou wilt burned uh which which i read is about about your father if if you want to uh get into that a little bit mirror um 
Mir, I, I really, I mean, the, the whole release was good, but, and then Stillborn at the end, but um, Mir, I enjoyed because uh, there's cool drums uh, towards the end of that. And then also there's like a cool, I don't know if interlude is the right way to describe it, but there's kind of a cool guitar part that reminded me a little bit of like Gojira-esque. Oh like, I don't know yeah, about- with the tremolo picking a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I don't know if he if he likes those guys too, but it kind of kind of gave me some Gojira type vibes, and I love those dudes. But uh, but yeah, I really I really liked uh, Lone Desert Bones, man. Hell yeah, appreciate it, man. And yeah, I didn't make that connection until you said it. But yeah, that now that I think about it, that's absolutely Gojira esque, and even even with the drop, you know, I don't I don't worry too much about like whether I'm whether something I'm doing is sounding too much like anyone else simply because first off, there are only so many notes and I'm just doing zeros and ones and bunch of ignorant chugging and screaming like it's okay. Um, But also, yeah, that, that was also done on purpose as well because it made me uncomfortable because of the hand of it all. Um, I've never been a super shreddy guy. So that was again, putting myself on purpose in an uncomfortable place and uh burned which you mentioned is the absolute height of that uh of that sentiment um so yeah my dad passed and that night after i had called like close family and we had you know notified everyone who needed to be notified tried to keep it as insular as possible which didn't work out but that's another story um i immediately came in here into the studio and started writing that night. And I I was doing like really grandiose compositions with so many layers of guitar and really trying to make it this super epic thing. And it came out spurious in the end. It, it felt inherently wrong. And not only that, it felt... <sighs> It's not the word I'm looking for, but heretical is the, what comes to mind. And like I was, I was doing a disservice, and I was also so the super cliff notes. Uh, my dad has suffered Parkinson's for a long time, and with that came Dewey body dementia as well. So by the thank you kindly, um, but by the time he finally passed. Honestly, I think we had all like within ourselves already said our goodbyes a long time ago. Like he was there, but he also really wasn't there by the end. Um, And so I wasn't sure what I was feeling because there was nothing, there was nothing emotionally really going on, which is why I went in the studio in the first place, because that's the, this is where I come to sit down and go, okay, how the hell do I feel? Um, and every time it just kept going really wrong and maybe I want to say a couple of months later, um, which actually is, I've, I've heard many people, um, say that that's a right around the corresponding time frame of when you're expecting someone to die and they finally die and you start actually processing emotions. So it was a little bit kismet, but I stripped down all the guitar layers all the drums all of the big epic stuff i took a looper pedal recorded one riff twice for the dual tracking 
put the most bare bones drums and suddenly said, ah, here it is. Okay, we're good now. And then because I was already super uncomfortable and because I'm super uncomfortable with clean vocals, screw it. I'm going to make this almost entirely clean vocaled. So, I mean, if I'm, if I'm already feeling antsy in my seat, might as well just dedicate the whole way. Um, yeah, so that was, that was the long and sordid history of that particular one. I still have a hard time uh, listening to that one simply because I go, eh, oh, why, why my voice do that? But, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> no, I, I like that one, man. And I think, I think its place on the EP is good too, because it's in the, it's in the middle. You know what I mean? So kind of have like the, the intro song with the sun and then the, the fade out song was still born. Um, and, and there's a heavy moment in that one too, where you're like screaming, is it keeping myself in a, um, in a lightless space? Is yeah. That yeah. Yeah. Uh, wait, I remember my own lyrics, honestly, keeping myself there's in a lightless a... place or space. I was yeah, trying to keeping to... myself in a lightless space. Yeah. 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 That one is, um, for all of the grandiosity of how I tell these, this that one's just a panic attack in my shower. That's all that is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I um, I uh, yeah, I was trying to I you know because it was a heavy part, and I was like, damn, like those are some some heavy lyrics. But uh, no, and my okay wasn't like oh, like no, I I didn't mean it like that. But mm-hmm. I meant like like I relate to that too. Um, with with the panic attack stuff. Uh. It's tough, man. Like in a weird way, like when you said the pandemic was, was great for you in, in a weird way, it was, it was kind of good for me too, from the podcast perspective, because it was really kind of kicking the butt that I needed to, to, to do something that I, I had, you know, I felt like for a while I had kind of lost sight of, uh, you know, a part of myself that, that it's like, Again, not to self-righteous, sound self-righteous because I'm not that guy, but I feel like, and I probably should need to stop prefacing so much, but I feel like um, like I'm supposed to be doing this stuff in a lot of ways. Like writing was something that came naturally even as a kid when I would do creative writing. That was always like outside of art class and like gym, um, creative writing was always really fun for me as a kid. And drawing when I was really young was like my first love and so it kind of morphed when I got older and in high school and you're starting to kind of figure out what do I want to do? Um, that kind of became like a natural path was, was like the writing and stuff. And, um, but yeah, like, I guess relating it to like the panic attack thing, like, um, uh, I think for me, some of my anxiety had gotten worse. Like on one end, the, the, uh, pandemic was good because it it was the the kick in the butt that I needed to do podcasting again and kind of get back in touch with that part of myself that I had kind of shut down and given up on and go oh, I'll just kind of take a more quote unquote practical route and the whole climb the corporate ladder thing and um and even though I work with with good people in my job and I'm very grateful for for you know the the work experience that I have there and the people that I work with every day in my day job it's like if I'm not being creative, it's, I don't feel, feel fulfilled. I just don't, you know? And so the pandemic was good for me because it opened up doing the podcast again, just working from home. Uh, and I wish we could still work from home more than we do. Uh, that's another conversation, but, uh, but the bad part about it was 
it also coincided with a really bad breakup and it coincided with people around me dying in 2021. 2021 was a brutal, brutal year. And I think the isolation kind of like, you know, doing the podcast, it kind of, this is like my safe place. This is like my cave. You know what I mean? So it was like, it was good because I'm connecting with people like this and, and doing things like this with you. But then it was bad from the standpoint of like, I'm kind of already reclusive when I go through stuff because I don't want to burden other people. And I just kind of like, I just kind of deal with it on my own, which isn't really the best thing I've discovered. So it's weird. It was, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. So yeah, when you said panic attack, I feel like um, I haven't, you know, knock on wood, I haven't had it resurface too much. And, and when they come on now, I'm kind of able to pull myself out of it. I kind of just sit in it and go, this too shall pass. Everything's fine. I'm not in any real danger here. Um, but yeah, it kind of, uh, some old demons, I think kind of resurfaced and I'm, and I'm just now, I think after the, the craziness of like the last two years with heartbreak and death, kind of getting back to myself a little bit, um, you know, when you get to this age too, in your thirties, and I'm sure you can relate too, man, it's, you know, you have friends come and go more than when you're younger, you know, when you're younger, you see people in school every day. Or even like when you're getting out of high school and you're still in like your hometown, which kind of sounds like we had similar experiences like with that. It's like you you wanted to get that get out of it. And then kind of like then when you get away from it, you're like, oh, like these new experiences have kind of taught me some of the things that I miss. And like so there's been a lot of like grief and loss. And I think that's kind of why I related to some of those some of those uh things that came up in your music too. So that's a long way of saying when you said, said panic attack, I feel bad now. I just made all of that about me, but no, uh, no, not that experience at all. Cause I, I relate to the, the panic attack stuff. And I'm always glad to hear it. And especially because, you know, uh, it does, especially when you're describing, uh, you know, things suddenly coming up due to a sudden change in environment or, you know, going through, I also went through a very sh violent yeah. shift in relationship status, um, which a son refers to um, due to the pandemic, because you find yourself, you now have no choice, but to really, it kind of filtered out by necessity, things that may not have been, the healthiest dynamics in your life simply because you have no choice now and you know the corresponding ache that that can create is you know not to be denied yeah man and and and, and ultimately it's all and thanks for going to these places ben too i appreciate it, man but yeah it's all it's all necessary to growth and i think that's kind of what i've learned too is you got to be patient with with yourself and like and be kind to yourself. Like somebody told me one time a few years ago, and it kind of just like hit me over the head. It was like, man, you, you would never treat anybody, Mike, the way that you treat yourself. And I'm like, mm -hmm. wow. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, you should not take pride in, you know, beating the crap out of yourself. That's not good. And if you really want to fully be able to love, you got to love yourself, you know? So yeah, man. Um, well, before we, before we wrap it up, and thanks again so much, dude, for doing this. And I Thank hope you. I haven't talked too much about myself but just relating to the anxiety and stuff and some of the themes in in in, in the music and the loss and everything like again i'm sorry to hear about the loss of your your father um but i'm glad that you were able to uh make a, a really cool song about it and, and get it off your chest but um the the next ep is going to be called 
snakeskin face. And I don't know how much you want to totally get into it because, like I said, this will be end of August, early September. So I don't want to spoil anything <laughs> that you haven't revealed yet, but you were kind enough to send me the EP and I really enjoyed it. And there's, if people are a fan of the, the doomy and uh, proggy nature of, of uh, your music and what you've put out so far with Lone Desert Bones and the other singles, I think they're really going to enjoy this one. But can you talk to me a little bit about sort of the, the theme of Snakeskin Face? Absolutely. And thanks again. Uh, this has been a blast. Um, uh, yeah, so yeah. from a compositional standpoint, um, Snakeskin Face is supposed to have uh, individual song structures that can stand up on their own in the shuffle and playlist uh, kind of culture that we find ourselves in. But also if uh, listened from front to back, the intent was to formulate it as almost one entire whole composition. Differing themes, but uh, pretty much a ley line between all of them. Um, from a conceptual standpoint, it is absolutely about... Um, referring back to what we were discussing with the res the resolution of previous trauma and utilizing the steps um, that have been garnered over time to kind of put them to rest um, like understanding that if something severely traumatic happened then there was probably not too great stuff was probably happening in the first place. So it may have informed you. So maybe don't beat yourself up too much going into it. Um, removing yourself from your own perspective and putting yourself in the perspective of whatever or whomever caused that trauma. Um, understanding that that trauma even as you begin to resolve, there are still going to be moments where you're doing your best to like kind of go through it, but it's still going to peek out at you. It's still going to rear its head every now and again, and that's okay. And also just like a final ability to like, even if you're not fully fledged out your resolution and the happiest man in the world, you can still set it aside and go on. Um, it's basically the, the ley line for that from a conceptual level. Um, and it never, never a hundred percent positive. Cause I think that's, that's easy to do and seldom true. Um, but just an introspective to that. Yeah, man, I, I really enjoyed it. And um, I think other people are going to dig it um, when it, when it comes out. And, and I know it'll probably be close to when this releases, because this will be like, like I said, I think probably late August, early September when this mm -hmm. is hitting people. So I appreciate it, man. But yeah, man. And then the other thing that I wanted to touch on, was you you just recently in July put out a cover too called uh, Family Happiness, and that's a cover. Is, is it John Darnell? Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, yeah, John Darnell of the Mountain Goats. That one, um, that was the first uh, song that I ever learned, kind of learned how to play on the guitar. Although even then, I was thinking about it from a cover standpoint because I never really wanted to play anyone else's stuff like straight through. 
Um, but that one has such good bones to it that I knew immediately I wanted to jump on it. And it's just, that one's just a good damn time, really. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool how that one turned out, man. I, I really enjoyed uh, Family Happiness, man. Um, I thought I thought that was cool. And it's always cool to hear covers, too, to hear people's takes on the original version. You know what I mean? Like, I'm always fascinated by that when I listen to how musicians interpret somebody else's uh, somebody else's work. And uh, there's been a lot of cool ones lately that have come out, I feel like, man. So, yeah, kudos to uh, to putting that one out. Um, Thanks, was man. that one by design? that you wanted to get out before the the EP just as kind of like a, a teaser or is it unrelated completely to, to snakeskin face? Oh yeah. Completely unrelated. That was just one. Um, I originally recorded a really bad cover of that back in, I want to say 2017 or something. And it was real bad. We had no idea how to mix. And I kept listening back to it and going like, this is awful, but there's something there. I must do it again. And so I did. But yeah, I appreciate the hell out of that. That one, that one's just for the funsies. It was good, man. It was good. Well, um, before we officially wrap it up, thanks again, Ben, for for taking the time to do this, dude. It's been great talking with you. And uh, I'm glad that you're making music and I hope you keep making music. Uh, I know, I know there's like from just reading that article, that was a year ago, there was 30 or 40. Uh, no pun intended bones to to songs and stuff in the in the can man so i'm glad that um you know you're you're putting you're putting it out um and and again as somebody who listens to this podcast and thank you again for the love and support and the kind words man in, in the past year but um with the theme of it being perseverance and moving forward uh, you know from from you mentioned like drug abuse in the past you know the passing of your dad things that it sounds like you went to on a personal level over these last couple of years with the pandemic. I mean, is there any, any advice that, that you'd want to give to anybody listening to this just in terms of things that have worked for you to get to a healthier place? Um, I think one of the, one of the strongest ley lines that we've kind of covered through this is turn disadvantages to your benefit, if only out of spite. Um, simply because it does kind of give you a different, approach than I think anyone else might take. Um, and you know, that that's pretty broad. I'm speaking of course of, you know, actual guitar work, but that, that can be taken as a pretty broad concept. Um, anything that you're having difficulty with or feeling super uncomfortable about either lean into it or find how to surreptitiously go around and, um, just, just do dope shit. Just always do dope shit if you can. And if you can't, that's okay. Cause there'll be a moment when you can. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's cool, man. And I think that saves your device, especially like you said, you know, like it kind of came from an FU moment for you where you're like, Oh, you're telling me I can't do it. I'm going to do it. And here you are making the music that you love to make and, and a uh, forthcoming EP on the way, man. So I think, I think it's awesome that uh, in addition to that, you're, you know, have found your voice lyrically and i think it just goes to show people man like you know just just try it like and that's what i'm realizing as i get older too pushing through fear like it's better to try something and even if it doesn't go the way exactly that you want um ask the question well what if it goes better than what i thought and and also you'll be able to look back on that journey and be happier that you that you tried and also be happy with with your work and and uh you're you're genuinely putting out good music man i i, I love heavy stuff i love doomy stuff 
Uh, I love froggy stuff, and and I really think people are going to like snakeskin face, man. So thank you so much. For people who aren't aware, I'll obviously share the links in in the pod description, man. But let them know where they can find your stuff, dude. Yeah, uh, well, before I do the obligatory, hey, you can find me. But also, I I do want to take the moment. Thank you very much. I again, yeah, I I've been I've been going down this rabbit hole with your podcast for a hot minute. I I love the I love the work that you're doing as well. And again, it's always important to tell people when they do so. You know what? A little addendum to advice for other people. Tell the people around you when they're doing good shit. Um, but yeah, otherwise you can find me at Torband, which is amusing because it's just me on Instagram. And at some point I'll do other social media. I don't, I don't know how to do that stuff. I just do weird shit. But you can find me on the old Instagrams and on the Spotify's and anywhere you get music. Well, Ben, thank you so much, dude. Uh, it's been great talking with you. And don't sell yourself short, man, because I, I know we talked even before we officially hit record about us both kind of doing that. And uh, <laughs> I think I hope both of our bodies of work to this standpoint show that, uh, you know, we we have something to offer and and that is connecting with people. And, and again, thank you again so much, dude, for the kind words. It really does mean a lot. And um, I'm glad we got a chance to do this, dude. Hell yeah, man. You have yourself a good one in the meantime, and I'll be looking forward to uh, what you turn out next, brother. Alrighty, righty there you have it. That was my conversation with Ben Facet of Tor. Make sure you go follow him on Instagram at Torband, and that is spelled T-O-R-R-B-A-N-D. That is all together. Once again, at Torband on Instagram. You can find his music where you get your music. All of the links will be in the podcast description for this episode. So just scroll down to the bottom of that podcast description, hit those links, and go follow and support my new friend Ben from tour you will not be disappointed if you love heavy music if you're a fan of the aforementioned stone side who i mentioned at the jump if you're a fan of like sleep token if you're a fan of doom metal progressive metal uh heartfelt lyrics heavy vocals um it's it's all in there man like i said at the jump i i'm a big fan of what he's doing and uh, i'm really excited for him so once again his latest ep snakeskin face out now where you get your music it's all in the links for this episode and I just want to say to Ben, once again, man, thank you so much. I really appreciate it when when I meet new old friends, man. That's uh, something that I stole from Michael Rosenbaum, and I'm going to keep using it. Uh, but I do. I feel like we're new old friends, dude. I, I uh, And I'm not just saying that because you were kind enough to reach out and give me kind words about the show over the past year, uh, even though I very much appreciated that, man, and I took all that to heart. It's, it's always nice when people reach out and uh, tell you that they appreciate you know, what you're doing and what you're putting out into the world. And it, it makes me happy to know that I, just by pursuing something that I love, I, I'm able to have that impact no matter how small or how big on, on at least one person. Um, so thank you for the kind words, but more importantly, man, I, I think you're a good dude. Uh, I genuinely enjoy the music that you're putting out there and I'm really, really happy we were able to do this and get you on a podcast as somebody who's a fan of the podcast, as somebody who's a fan of podcasts in general and appreciates journalism and good journalism, dude. Uh, I try to do my best, and I'm just really appreciative that you reached out and that we've been able to connect and do some cool stuff together. And also, Ben uh, edited 
the raw audio, we had some, uh, you heard it a little bit at the end. It really wasn't prevalent throughout the show and, and we couldn't figure it out. I didn't know if it was my mixing board, if it was something on his end. Um, my mixing board is very, very, I mean, it's not very old, but it's like eight years old now. I've had it since 2015 and I was getting a little bit of a buzz and you could kind of hear it towards the end, but Ben, Ben did a great job of, of taking the raw audio from our conversation and, and editing it. And I really appreciate uh, him doing that. That's always a funny word, by the way, editing, say it three times fast, but he took the time to do that, man. Um, cause I'm not great with the audio engineering stuff of this. I'm still a caveman. I, I have a new computer and I actually record the intro and the close of the show and put it together on the previous version of audacity on my old computer. I haven't taken the time to learn the new version yet, but, uh, but yeah, thank you to Ben for doing that. And, uh, yeah, just, just a good dude. I'm happy for him. I'm happy that he's making music that means something to him. I'm happy that, you know, he's he's proved the naysayers wrong about, you know, playing guitar, singing. He's put the time in to learn it, making his own music. I mean, that's a lot of work, you guys. It is. I mean, I think I think we forget as people who aren't musicians, right, if you're not a musician listening to this like me, uh, how much time goes into making good music and recording things. And by the time it comes out, the artist who has put it put it out has listened to it umpteen times already you know tons of times you know uh, and I've heard bands talk about that by the time they go on tour to play the new material the new album they've already been you know they've worked it to death already for you know a year or longer or whatever so uh, the fact that Ben has put in the time despite the naysayers you know uh, despite the issues with his hand and stuff and 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 you know, still makes dope riffs and, and, and awesome music for people to listen to, I think is really cool. So I hope that's an example for you guys out there that, uh, you know, a lot of the limitations that we have, and this is advice for myself too, because I've had some weak moments in the past couple of weeks. Uh, you know, if you get stuck in a negative thought loop or negative thought patterns about yourself, forgive yourself for having a moment and then do your best to move past it. One of my biggest issues is that I hold on to things, especially when it's things about myself that I don't like. And those limiting beliefs keep us from achieving our dreams and keep us from making more positive connections in our own mind in terms of just our own synapses and how our brain works, but also with other people. So be kind to yourself, love yourself, be good to yourself so that you can be there for other people and so that you can find whatever it is that you have to offer. And we all have something and use it for good in the world, man. So I hope that Ben's story inspires you guys that despite whatever naysayers there are, despite whatever, you know, mental or physical health issues you may or may not have, or whatever heartbreak or pain or, you know, things that you've been through, addiction issues, things that you did that you're not proud of, every day is an opportunity to wake up and turn over a new leaf. We all get the same 24 hours regardless of our of our income or where we live in the world, man. And some of us definitely are more fortunate than others when it comes to the parents that that we were born with or the families we were born into, the environments that we were born into. But we all get the same 24 hours, man. And um, there's always going to be those people in your life that are like crabs in a bucket and they're trying to pull you down. But there's also going to be those people in your life, you know, like I talked about at the beginning, you know, I had really good grandparents. Um, you know, or there might be an authority figure, a teacher, a coach, a friend. There's always going to be those people who are your biggest cheerleaders. And I think that that those people are God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, coming through to kind of remind you when you're getting in your own way that, yes, you have something to offer. You are worthy. You are loved. You're worth it. Go for it. Um, and I can honestly say that in my life, it has been those times where I have done the things that have scared me. 
Um, and I'm not talking about risky, dumb stuff, <laughs> but, you know, going for things that, you know, whether it was like asking out somebody, you know, or, or it was, you know, reaching out for somebody to come on the podcast or, you know, taking, taking a chance to, to meet some new people. It was always the, the things that were a little scary to me moving to a new city. When I came to Nashville, I didn't really know anybody, man. All my close family and friends were all back home in Ohio and Southeast Michigan. So, uh, I digress, but those, those things that were difficult or scary initially ended up being the best things that have ever happened to me, even when they didn't work out the way that I planned because they helped me grow and become a better man and a better human being. So this is as much for me as it is for you. Love yourself, be kind to yourself, forgive yourself if you have a difficult moment, learn from your mistakes and move forward, learn to look at your thoughts as passing clouds, and just be cool to people, man. Pursue what you love, work hard, and uh, you can go to bed at night uh, knowing that you did a good job in the world today because that's all you got to do. Be good to people, be good to yourself, pursue what you love, and I think you're going to be uh, just fine out there. Even when the storms come, they will pass. So on that note, I'm going to shut my big yapper and uh, officially wrap things up here because I know I ranted a little bit in the beginning, uh, but it's just been kind of an emotional time. And again, again, it's not even about me. Uh, it's it's more me worrying about uh, people in my life and their well-being and that they're okay. And, uh, you know, uh, like I just said, there's going to be storms that come and go. Um, and right now there's just been a few storms with some people that I love. So I'm praying for them. I'm sending good vibes up to them. And, um, and uh, I'm there for them, and they know that. But, uh, but, yeah, love each other. Be good to each other once again. Love you, Ben. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Everybody go check out Tor, Snakeskin Face, out now. Go back and check out the other work, Lone Desert Bones, that came out in April. Uh, he did a cool cover. Family Happiness, that came out in July. Check that out. And once again, he's on Instagram, at Torband, T-O-R-R-B-A-N-D. The links are in the podcast description. And once again, if you enjoyed what you heard, thank you so much for taking the time to get all the way to the end here and for listening to the show. If you are a first-time listener, if you would be so kind, even though I hate begging for this stuff, to either like, subscribe, leave a rating and a review on either Apple or Spotify, tell a friend to tell a friend. All those things go a long way. Sharing on social media uh, in, in helping the podcast get out to more people and put more people on to Ben's story and his music and, and other awesome creators like him that I've had on the show. So thank you so much for listening. Once again, you can follow me on Instagram at March4thPod, on YouTube at March4thPod, my website and my link tree in the podcast description for this episode if you want to learn more about me or check out the archives, man. So that's going to be a wrap for this week's episode. Keep the faith and be kind to one another. Courtesy of my dude, Ben, this is the first song off of his latest EP, Snakeskin Face. This one is called Workhorse. Peace. Peace.